Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, we're visiting a world that feels worn, where the people are forlorn, and our heroes are often airborne. That's right, we're talking Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn, The Final Empire. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. Who is frantically preparing to pull things up because he was unprepared. I have things that need to be signed. I have called you out. Sources that need to be collated. (laughs) (laughs) So as uh, we alluded to, was mentioned, was referenced, whatever you want to say in the title, we're talking Mistborn Final Empire. So this is the first book in the Mistborn series. Yep. Not a movie, not a series, but a book. A, a book. novel. A novel, if you will. Written word. Or spoken. Swor- or spoken for word. For some of it y'all. depends on your media of choice consumption. Your, your novel consumption process. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. So we, we have a history of disagreement over whether or not the audio format for audiobooks is something that is acceptable to consume over sitting and reading with one's own eyes. It's it's not a question of whether it's acceptable. It's a question of whether it's better. Well, I'm I'm not saying that it is a better experience. I'm saying that it is it is an experience which enables me to consume more media than I otherwise would be. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, it, it, is, it is it is a more efficient way to consume. It is it is a more efficient way to consume. I'm going to make that argument consume. for Andrew when we talk subs versus dubs. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm going to say. <laughs> well, no, I mean that is that is a completely fair yeah. reason why you would watch a dubbed anime is because you want to do something else while you are watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. Totally understandable. That's not a it's not a point of contention. I mean, it is, but because you you should be watching, you should be doing something else. Same thing for reading. You should you should be reading. You if I have watched G Gundam four times, I don't need to watch the show anymore. No. I can listen to it and know that my favorite point is coming up and I'm going to watch the show then and then go back whenever he starts screaming at other random things. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Okay, so that's not the topic for today that we're going to relate to Mistborn. Yep. We are actually going to talk about, because Brandon Sanderson is well known for his magic systems, there's a, a lot of talk within fantasy circles about how good they are, etc., etc. Are they the best? Whatever. We're going to avoid that for now and talk about other magic systems that we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to toss this out. You know, I really want to know what you picked. I want to throw this to Andrew. Really? Yeah. I thought this would actually be pretty, um, pretty easy. So, okay. So I picked Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah, duh, yeah. Duh, um, duh. So, okay. The, the general setting for Full Metal Alchemist is uh, you are in essentially an alternate World War II era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you are following um, uh, two young brothers that have um, unfortunately um, caused some magical mishaps on their own bodies. Uh, one does not have a body. The other one does not have an arm or a leg. And they, he basically has uh, metal prosthetics. Mm-hmm. To, uh, so does the other one. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> just in, in the form of a full suit of armor. He just yeah. gestured to all of me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you follow their uh, their journey to basically get their bodies back. Mm-hmm. 
but also uncover a a um, countrywide conspiracy for um, um, nefarious things. Mm-hmm. And essentially, the the reason why I love this magic system so much is that it is very hardline. Um, so everyone, basically, the Full Metal Alchemist, he is a quotation marks an alchemist, and what that means is that he can transmute items into other items. Mm-hmm. And the the magic part of it is that he can basically um, he doesn't he kind um, he doesn't he doesn't have the same restrictions he doesn't have the same restrictions that other people have. But basically, uh, whenever you transmute something in this world, and this is generally how transmutation works, is that you need to have equivalent exchange. You need to basically give you I give you five pounds of something, and you can turn it into five pounds of something else, Mm -hmm. and. The the way that this works is in the whenever they're fighting other people that are, you know, trying to do nefarious things, they are, um, you know, turning stone from a building into a spear or, you know, um, fists that come out of the wall or, you know, whatever. And whenever you see this happen, you actually see the building kind of eat away because he is actually utilizing all the material that's inside the building that um that turns into whatever he wants it to be mm-hmm. and uh, towards the end of the show some of the magic gets a little uh, the scale gets much larger mm-hmm. but the 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 concept stays exactly the same where to get like um to basically do these really powerful moves you have to have a very high powered source of of energy essentially mm-hmm. um in whatever form and uh one of the the earlier reveals which is only like like a couple episodes in is basically Philosopher's Stones, which is, you know, kind of a, a general, um, uh, so that's a very catch all term. And you get yeah, that in like, Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. It shows up in lots of It's just of a magical, fantasy. a magical, uh, MacGuffin mm-hmm. essentially. And the, a Philosopher's Stone is, uh, kind of found out to be essentially made from other people that, and the people are basically the energy source of how mm-hmm. they can just kind of, um, create things without quotation marks equivalent exchange, except they are exchanging it just for human lives. Right, right. Uh, and the the magic system in it is is very hard ruled mm-hmm. throughout the whole show, and they never really break it. And whenever they do break it, there's a very like there are very specific ways that they break it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'm gonna go next. I'm gonna make Joel go last. Okay. Back at the bus for Joel. Oh. Well, he he's the magic system guy. It's funny. yeah. Well. <laughs> You know, I, it's funny. We didn't really discuss this. What all we chose pre-show. So I had this moment of when you when you picked Full Metal, I was like, you know, I wonder what Joel chose. Actually, mm. he knows what I picked. Mm. Do do I? Yeah, because he yeah. was like, I've got this. You get off. I, I, oh, I, I, I literally right, said, right. I literally said, we're doing magic systems. I've got Wheel of Time. Joel, good luck finding. So you said else. we yeah. were going to talk about Brandon Sanderson. Well, Wheel that he did not develop. Jordan. He did not develop these. He did not develop. He just wrote it. He just, fine. he just wrote the last, the last three books, books out of 12, 14. 14. So that's that's <laughs> less than 25 percent. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, like I said, taking Wheel of Time and it has, again, a lot of very hard rules. One of the big reasons that I really like it is because of how centered it is on the concept of balance uh, throughout. Obviously, if you've seen the show, maybe we haven't gotten this very much. It's just kind of uh, wacky waving wand people. Wacky, wacky waving arm inflatable, inflatable two, men. two men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the books, uh, the yin and the yang symbolism is very prevalent mm-hmm. where you have kind of a balance between what the two genders can or can't do or how strong they are in these things. 
And one of the big reasons why I really enjoyed it is because they really go – Jordan took his time, obviously, uh, with 14 books. Mm-hmm. Uh, took his time to really explore the differences in how men and women utilize, even just to the moment of how do they not just learn, but it, it's, I guess, embrace, but like become empowered with this source from their side of it. Uh, for women, it is it is all about acceptance, right? They have to essentially relax and float along with it. For men, it is a fight and a struggle at all times. And if they they ever like back off that, then they will lose control of it. So whereas for women, if they take that approach, they lose control the more they try to enforce control. Uh, and this th- kind of flows out through the whole series. And it's really interesting to see stuff that happens early on in the books where it's not very well explained. And the deeper you get into the books, the more as the characters themselves learn and work within the systems, the more they learn something and you can be like, oh, that is what was going on in book two or three or whatnot. That is what was happening. But even beside that, like it's just, it's such a cool setup of kind of a classic take on elemental magic, right? You always have, you know, fire, earth, wind, water, Captain Planet, whatever. Um, <laughs> these heart. Things, heart. Yeah, you got to throw the heart. You can't, can't forget the heart. Uh, you always have these kind of basic philosophies, right? I mean, I'm already talking that it's balanced. It's yin and yang. Uh, so it's very much so kind of like a, an Eastern style look at it. But I love the way they take it. And, and when I say they, Robert Jordan, the way he took it and used it as kind of these concepts of, well, they're, they're blending these different powers and different amounts together to make a specific outcome happen and for different people maybe it's easier or harder or for if it's a male channeler versus a female channeler there's a different way they would have to go about it or there's some things that are very easy for a male that are very hard for a female or vice versa um, or even almost unheard of from some sides and just kind of that whole process of not just the characters discovering it and finding out that the rules really were there as opposed to like the end of book one where you're like are there any rules yeah um but also, oh no, I lost my thread. Uh, I, I had that image of the end of season. The weave just collapsed. Yeah, I know it did. It just completely <laughs> broke. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, stuff, stuff like that. a bunch of that. strings now. Yeah, stu- stuff like that where you have the, the characters not just learning the system from the people around them, but also kind of the rediscovery of things that mm. are thought lost and kind of the method or the way that they go about that is uh, just really cool. It's just, again, it's a really long book series. So there is a ton of time to flesh and build this out. But I, I really appreciate that throughout it was held pretty consistently going even from, you know, book one where there's just kind of some bizarre things that happen and, and kind of the, uh, the limitations or what could or couldn't have been done in book like eight still holds true when you go back and look at the first couple of books. Mm-hmm. So, Joel. All right. So I'm actually going to bring up a book series that I pitched before when we talked about good like first installments of a series and mm-hmm. that is the Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. Okay. And so the magic system in this one has to do with taking light as the the energy source and um turning it into a physical substance. And so this is done across a full spectrum of visible color and each individual magic user only has access to a subset of all of the possible colors. Interesting. And so the way, the way that it works is that you have to be looking at a specific 
frequency of light. Like there's only like, you know, in, instead of it being a full spectrum, mm-hmm. there are points on the spectrum that are like resonance points that, that, that you can make, create stable, what's called Luxin. That's the name for the, the physical stuff that, mm-hmm. that you make out of the light. And, um, so you have to be looking at a light source or a reflected light source that is of that color or very close to it. So if you are a green, then you have to be looking at like grass or trees or something to take in that color light in order to create the, the substance. That's very interesting. Um, and so they, there's a lot of really cool things that they do to go about that. Like they have tinted spectacles, right. To where you can just put on your color of shaded glasses and then it doesn't matter where you're looking. Oh, that's such everything a is. <laughs> um, but that's also obvious, right? If mm. somebody puts on their spectacles, you know, they're about to start something, right? Yeah. Um, and so it gets really deep into can the you have contact strategy and counter strategy. They don't, they don't do contacts. <laughs> they don't have like little flexible stuff that's in your eyes. So it is, they do have flintlock firearms. Okay. So, so that's, uh, that's about the uh, level of technological okay, advancement that we're dealing with. I, I didn't setting. know if this was, you know, modern age. Right, or, right. Yeah. Um, but the way that the, the stuff itself works is that it sort of collects under your skin in sort of a, a, creepy. a liquid form. And <laughs> that's even more creepy. <laughs> um, and so you can see, so if someone has light skin, not a lot of pigment in their skin, you can actually see it. Ooh. under their skin and so, so it's like this gelatinous ooze that's under so your for, skin so uh. for for war casters it is it is preferable to be dark-skinned because then they can't see what you've got under under yeah. your sleeve so to speak <laughs> <laughs> literally up your arm not up yeah. your sleeve and so then it it kind of like they can they can have it come out like 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 have it burst out this your skin at certain points Whoa. and this and it's terrifying this is horrible um, but it's, it's like at natural, natural points, like the fingernails and stuff like that. They usually use. Yes. The, that, my fingernails, <laughs> definitely the natural point from it, liquid comes out of my, no, but anyway, another fun just layer. Imagine like some guy just kind of like flicking his hands and there's a little green goo coming yeah. out of him. Another really fun layer is that each of the different colors of Luxon has different physical properties. Mm. And so they can be used for different things. Like green is strong but flexible. Um, red is highly flammable. Um, orange is a liquid that I don't remember what else it did. And then, <laughs> it's just there, right? And so, and so, creating things out of these. Oh, and yellow is like super, super strong, but very difficult to actually get to crystallize. That's um, interesting because blue is technically. Uh, one of the rarer colors in in nature, mm-hmm. unless you were looking at the sky. Well, the sky the sky is obviously yeah. easy, and they're also this is set in kind of a Mediterranean area, oh, so, so like, blue everywhere. They're near water all the time. Oh, and stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's it's just really interesting because there's there's a lot of layers that come out of assigning sort of physics based physical properties to the magical stuff that you're manipulating mm-hmm. and then just kind of extrapolating out well what what does that mean how how can we cleverly put this together in a way to create an effect that is then both 
a really spectacular event because like, oh, magic and that's cool. But also, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that that makes perfect sense because of real world physical laws that I'm familiar with. Hmm. Interesting. Um, It's still kind of creepy just to imagine like all this like weird liquid stuff under your skin. It gets creepier because there's also a there's like a limit to how much you can use before it drives you mad. And one of the symptoms of the madness is you slowly start replacing your body with Lexan, like pieces of your body with with Lexan. Oh, it, gets, weird. it gets really gruesome. But Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, th- I guess that actually kind of uh, does pair pretty well into um, into how like Mistborn magic works, at least with like the more terror um, horror side of it where mm-hmm. like you can, you know, impale spikes and stuff into yeah. your body to, yeah. to, you know, be a have power alchemist. We'll get there. So yeah, so that's that was that was a pretty good one. Um, mm, yeah. I've I particularly enjoy in depth thought out magic systems. It's one of the biggest things that I look for in a mm-hmm. work of fantasy, and um, and this is one of my favorites that yeah. I've come across. Yeah, it's always nice to have a good set of rules that the author actually not just thought about not, <laughs> not just sticks to, but also utilizes for story elements, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to. Maybe a softer magic where it's like, well, I just need to get this person from here to there. Oh, they can teleport now. Well, that's that is one of the and again, I haven't read all like the Wheel of Time books, mm-hmm. but like some of the stuff that that they do, at least in the first couple books, feel just kind of hand wavy where you're just like, well, this is just how how they got here. It is. It is a little bit. There is sometimes moments where you're like, oh, that was OK. Well, how does that even. But the deeper it goes, mm-hmm. the more and it. it that doesn't necessarily mean that Jordan had it all laid out at that moment. Mm-hmm. Although as much as he took notes, it maybe was possible. I don't know. But it's also a hard line to walk to because you have, whether or not you know as the author what's going on, mm-hmm. you have the perspective of your point of view characters. And if they have no idea what's going on, it's going to be very difficult for you to communicate what to the audience right. what the yeah, rules are yeah. of, of the event that is occurring. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, you kind of have a really hard line to balance on there of I want to be true to the the portrayal of the point of view characters, but I also don't want my readers to have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he definitely misses that line. A couple of times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about like Full Metal Alchemist is because like by the time a lot of those like really kind of like hand wavy level events happen. Mm-hmm. You, you, the, the, the reader or, or watcher have already understand the system so well that yeah. whenever it does happen, you're like, ah, this is what he's using. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that one too, like it doesn't have the obstacle of someone just learning the system to start with yeah. because he's the, already the a protagonists master. are a mas- master of the, yeah, right. of the commonly understood system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, moving forward off of that discussion, we're going to loop it back around here. To the main topic of the show, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn, right? Mm-hmm. Just just book one. So this is the Final Empire, which is an interesting title for a book one. <laughs> yeah, Final. Oh, okay. This well, is I had no. to I had to make sure that whenever I picked up the book for the first time, I was like, "And you're sure this is the first book, right?" <laughs> no, I the 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 names the naming convention of the first three books always throws me, and mm-hmm. I always like go back and double check myself and then like read the first pass. And be, okay, yeah, this is the right book. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so we're going to jump into that. And uh, Joel, you want to give us a little synopsis here? All right. So we start out jumping between two perspectives. We have Vin, who is sort of a, um, a street rat in the city slums, 
lives with a gang of thieves uh, and is she's she's what 13, 13? when yeah. the book starts Thir- yeah 13 no, yeah she's no she's 6 15 or 16 maybe anyway, she's 15 she's 15 I young think. teenage young teenage yeah. somewhere in that range uh, and so we've got that perspective and then we've also got the perspective of Kelsier who is a master thief who is returning to the city to pull off his biggest job one, yet. One last big job. Yeah. And so we have him meeting Vin very early on and recognizing that she is what is called a Mistborn, mm-hmm. that she can utilize the magic of this world. And so he recruits her uh, and in the process while he's going around recruiting the people that he needs for his heist. So this is very much has a lot of tropes in the, at least in the early part of the book of your basic heist story. Right. Yeah. You need experts of this and that to, to fill out a crew. Right. And they end up, um, ultimately their goal is to create a rebellion, which has been tried before and has never been successful against Mm -hmm. their immortal God King, the Lord ruler. She's 16. 16. They are. And hijinks ensue. Oh, as always. So now that we've got a little bit of an idea what's going on there, let's uh, let's have a look at our technical score. So for books or novels, if you will, we have a slightly different rubric from the standard because, you know, obviously, I guess in some audiobooks you get music, but as a general rule, <laughs> there's no music here. There is no music that I can remember, at least in the audiobook. So this score is going to be based around our four pillars of novel review. So that is going to be the setting, the characters, the plot, and the writing. Mm -hmm. That is correct. I nailed that one. I have have setting in the wrong spot on my review, but that's fine. I always have to – I always want to put characters first. I have to remind myself of how how the world is built and that's why you you make the ground and then you put people on the ground. (laughs) And then you you have have the story about the things. (laughs) And then you have the overall umbrella of writing. Otherwise, I mess it up too. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Joel, what's our uh, aggregate score for that on a technical scale? So our aggregate technical score is an 8.9 out of 10. So that is – Pretty it high. Is quite excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've had a lot of stuff that kind of lands in sevens. Uh, I'm trying to think what we gave. I know you were looking at the scores. Not uh, it's been a bit. I was. For, I mean, for Andrew. Leviathan Wakes was higher. It, it was interesting. And Red Rising was a seven something. Interesting. Just that because of the perspective makes well uh, that and that yeah. that was a risk with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, but I'm pretty sure this is the highest. For, for novels that we've done, which are, you know, three, but. Well, you know, uh, you got to start somewhere, right? With a 33% chance, <laughs> this will be the highest. That's that's not exactly how it works, <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. Speaking of perspective, this novel yes. was written in third person limited uh, with two primary point of view characters that we already alluded to. And so it is in style of presentation actually quite similar to Leviathan Wakes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, and quite dissimilar to Red Rising. <laughs> so, so just for reference, <laughs> Leviathan Wakes was actually an 8.7. So it's just under this. Oh, okay. And Red Rising was a 7.9. Yep. Again, I knew it was a seven. perspective was, an, was yeah. a concern. But to go along with technical score, we also do look at an entertainment score. And what would that be? This time, you know, so the entertainment score, as we always say, is... <laughs> 
Tradition. Separated, separated out because of those instances where something is technically great, but it just didn't vibe with you. And so you mm-hmm. didn't really enjoy it. Or something is just garbage. You know, it's garbage, but you love it. And so we wanted to have a way to represent that. And in this case, there was actually a little bit of difference. Um, we had an 8.9 on the technical review. Mm-hmm. And we had a 9.3 for entertainment. Okay. So that's not even quite half a point difference, but when you're talking about taking it from almost a nine, which is already really high, and pushing it even further. Yeah, that's that's a big jump. Then there there are things in here that we can technically point to and say that could have been executed better. Not that it was bad, but that it could have been executed better. Mm-hmm. But overall, that does not impact our enjoyment. Our enjoyment remains very high. Yes. So, obviously... We really enjoyed it. So what, yeah. uh, before we jump into any kind of spoilers, what, uh, maybe some spoiler free highlights. So this was my first, um, unadulterated Brian Sanderson novel. Brandon, Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> they, so I don't even know his yeah. name. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, the, um, this was the first Sanderson book mm-hmm. that I read, mm-hmm. uh, on the recommendation of Joel and Steven. And, um, I didn't really know what I was kind of getting into, but um, I think actually in our conversation, whenever you did recommend it, we were actually talking about Full Metal Alchemist mm-hmm. and the magic system and how mm-hmm. much I, I like rules. I like I like things that that pe- that you can kind of push against. Yeah, the, yeah. Lo- and, the logical makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and this was suggested, and it was absolutely fantastic. I pretty I finished the book I think in less than a week, and then I read I finished the trilogy like a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was once you, once you get through like the first like quarter of the book um, for, for final empire, it is just, they hold, they grab onto your wrist and they say, we're going Yeah, and mm-hmm. you do not stop. And it doesn't even stop until you get to the end of the third book. Like it is mm-hmm. just a fantastic series in general, but the first book just has such a good, um, it, it is YA, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, but it's it's YA kind of like more dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's dystopian fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's di- well, it's a every very YA is dystopian. Yeah, it really is. It, but it's a very different world from what you're kind of used normally, to seeing. Yeah. Normally, with a YA, you'll get you know a little dystopian sci-fi, or mm-hmm. we're slightly advanced, or maybe it's a, a more dystopian view of a fantasy setting. This is a really different setting. Well, from and, and it, most. it like that's why I say dark fantasy because you have these kind of like grotesque. Um, kind of characters in the in like the Inquisitors, the Inquisitors yeah. Uh, or uh, when you get later on in the series, these kind of like giant things that mm-hmm. have like this translucent skin, yeah. and like it, it just the the world that it's set in is just kind of terrifying. Yeah. And then yes. whenever they get into the magic system of kind of like how they use it and and um, the fact that they're consuming metals essentially mm-hmm. for for their magic uh, is. Um, kind of also terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I wanted to to come back and touch on like the dark fantasy Mm -hmm. aspect because there is, you know, the the main character that we get the majority of our, spend the majority of our time with in the book is Vin, the Mm -hmm. dude starts out as 16. And there, there, I feel like the line is walked very carefully in the presentation of this book to both acknowledge the existence of um, abuse of women in poverty yeah. situations mm-hmm. while at the same time not presenting it graphically yeah. and, and making it to where it's like, okay, that, that exists, but our main character had a protector figure who until recently kept her safe mm-hmm. and 
and has had a brief period of time where she's been in a recent, a reasonably good gang mm-hmm. and they have not, she hasn't had any of these problems, but she's aware that they yes. exist. And so if, if you're concerned about that, then I would say, go ahead and read it because like, it's, it's not in your face and it's not graphic. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you definitely know. And like Vin as a character is very aware that there is this a threat or in her younger days, the possibility of it and how it kind of alters and influences her behavior around Mm -hmm. others. But even throughout the series, you get some kind of, I wouldn't say nods to it, but it's definitely indicated that, Hey, this is, this could be going on or whatnot. But for the most part, it's held at a distance. Mm -hmm. It's very much. So there's never a moment where, Hey, your character is in this situation Mm -hmm. and this is happening. When I say dark fantasy, I generally mean more of the general theme and not the 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 darkness. <laughs> right, right. Well, like, well like, this is this is like literally dark in the setting because the skies are always covered in ash clouds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it, it does ride the line of of some some higher level adult themes, yeah. but n- it never really touches on them to the fact of like imi- intimate detail. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It it definitely hits on and and deals with death a lot Mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of i mean most fantasy novels you have you know battles and these things and that certainly occurs here uh but there's also kind of the callousness of death like that's something that ven deals with Mm -hmm. er, fairly early on and throughout with the society she's on uh so you do have kind of that issue but i think that again you know, for the most part, it's handled very well where it's one, it's meaningful to the plot and two, it's not just super in your face. I mean, there's like, like y'all know me. I, I don't do great with graphic Gruesome descriptions graphic. of, you know, blood yeah. and these kind of things. Never and, like, read Stephen King. I know. I, I have no desire. <laughs> like there, there are certainly some moments that could be described as gruesome, mm-hmm. but you're not getting those kinds of details yeah. in it. So that's, that's. Good in the sense that we all know, hey, this is going on. This is a risk. This is a threat. And we never just have it just jammed in our face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, which is, you know, that's appreciated. Yeah. But I, I feel like overall, this story takes a lot of really great heist tropes. You know, mm-hmm. we, yeah. we, mm-hmm. we were working on this part of the plan with this expert, working on this part of the plan with this expert. Yeah. And you also have a bit of the Pygmalion plot where Kelsier is trying to take Vin from her street rat origins and teach her how to impersonate royalty basically. Yep. Right. Um, and then you've also got the subplot of Vin is a magic user and has to learn how the magic works. And so you've got that training arc as well. Mm-hmm. And so it combines all of these disparate story archetypes. Right. Um, and weaves them together very well. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, I think the, the heist element and the system, the magic system that they, they dovetail like Vin having to learn the magic system and the the elements of a heist where you have different specialists mm-hmm. all dovetails really well together just because of the way the magic system is created. We're right. Because each, too each, much of, those, on it, each of those experts is also an expert at one part of the magic system. Right. So, so she yeah. spends a lot of time. You get you get an excuse for POVs with those characters through her mm-hmm. uh, because she has to learn stuff from them. Well, and it's also, I mean, again, we already said it, it's a, it's a very different setting from what we would be used to. And the system is also, for, for people who haven't hit on it in already, it's a very different magic system mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So it's a really great opportunity for him to kind of showcase the setting and the system and instruct the reader by instructing his character, essentially. So it's, yeah. that's a good... Uh, I don't want to call it a crutch, but it's a good cheat or or I don't, I don't know. There's there's a better term for it somewhere, but it's a good way to make it work where it's not just 
here's an exposition dumper. This is the way the world works. But they actually get to teach and learn, and the reader gets to learn alongside them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, overall, obviously, we gave it a, a really high technical rating mm-hmm. and a, a, an even higher entertainment rating. So, obviously, uh, we had some good things to say about it. But Well, I do want to just jump in with go, go one last comment, and that is that this is probably the most commonly recommended jumping off point into Brandon Sanderson's body yes. of work. Yes. It is not necessarily the best jumping off point into Ooh. Brandon Sanderson's body of work. Spicy. It is the easiest to consume. There are well, okay. So <laughs> let let <laughs> oh, me no. let me let me flip this around and say Stormlight is absolutely the last thing you should read. Don't. So um because <laughs> because what you have to have is that's that's really a, a culmination work. And so you have to have a wide breadth of experience in his his books that are all in his shared universe called the Cosmere to really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, while this is not a bad place to start, there are certainly other single novels, like, like one-off novels mm-hmm. that are, that are excellent places to begin as well. Um, particularly, uh, his novel Warbreaker, um, and, or Elantris, which Elantris actually predates Mistborn. Okay. Um, and so you can kind of tell that some of the tropes in there are a little more generic fantasy. Um, but in that one, he takes uh, three POV characters and weaves them all together very well. Hmm. Um, so, like from a writing perspective, it's a he's not quite got everything there mm-hmm. yet. Um, but it's another like if you're if you're more used to kind of your typical high fantasy stuff, Elantris is a really good starting point yeah. as well. And Mistborn was definitely introduced to me as the starting point after coming off of Wheel of Time that mm-hmm. Sanderson had finished. And people were like, oh, do you want to read more Sanderson? I was like, I guess. And that, that was <laughs> Mistborn was the cell. So. Yeah. As, as someone who had never read any Sanderson before this, and this was my first book, um, and, then I, <laughs> and then immediately um, went uh, after reading the, the trilogy going to um, Stormlight Archives, which was recommended to me by another friend that I reckon that loves Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, oh, you, you read Mistborn. You should read Stormlight Archives. Don't do that. Yeah, find, find some other It was bridge. impossible to read <laughs> or it's, listen to. Well, it's, it, it also... It, I'm not saying the book's bad. I never finished it. I'm just right, saying right. I could not finish it because it was so confusing and I had no idea like kind of what I was getting myself into. I was expecting another Mistborn level experience mm-hmm. yeah. and that was definitely not it. Well, on that note, as we push our way into the mists of intermission, if your superstitions about spoilers give you pause, we understand. If you like what you've heard so far, then check out our other content at spoilersintendedpodcast.com. But if you're ready to brave the night, then flare your pewter, sharpen your senses with ten, and welcome to the crew. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that brief intermission because we are leaping off here into all kinds of spoilers and we are kicking it off talking about the setting. So again, if you didn't catch that notice, it is all spoilers all the way from here on out. And I'm going to change up. I'm going to take setting first because screw both of y'all. 
<laughs> Knock yourself out. <laughs> I gave setting a 10. Wow. Oh, boy. What a bold statement. <laughs> so bold. I mean, it's just, it's such a well-constructed and different world from what I, as someone who reads a lot of, you know, traditional fantasy. Or it, it was very different than what I was expecting. Very different, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and especially you have kind of like the little bits of like the the anachronistic technology where like they have like pocket watches, mm -hmm. but we're but we're still fighting with you know swords, swords, and spears, mm -hmm. yeah, no and guns, that kind of things. Yet, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but just the the way that the setting is kind of well set up for us mm -hmm. and and built is just really really cool because you know you really start out with this this kind of low level well we're it's a heist right we're gonna steal something mm -hmm. or make something happen and then it kind of builds from there and becomes rebellion and then it becomes whoa we're gonna go and find a way to kill the the god king emperor <laughs> it's like wow we just we have leaped all over the place here but the the setting and the kind of the logicalness of the characters surviving through the setting it just all makes sense like mm -hmm. it all flows and fits and it just i guess will we i guess we would put the magic system in with settings yeah yeah of course setting, right yeah. so is this is this the best magic system i don't know but there are a lot of nerds out there who have argued that both ways i just, mean i'd be curious to see another magic system that has such a good rule set i think and i that think follows that it the, so well i think that the main strength of the magic system is that the rule sets both make sense from a physical properties perspective mm -hmm. and is very, very simple. Yes. Yeah. You have, you have all of these different metals that you can burn for power, but they each do like one, one, or, one thing and you can yeah. either magnify or reduce that one thing. Right. And so it is very, very limited mm -hmm. and limitations are what makes something really great and interesting well they're to, just to they're in as, as a puzzle yeah, right. at that point yeah, yeah they're, they're foundational building blocks because when we see a lot of the fight scenes it's not so much that people are just applying brute force versus brute force there is a lot of well how you know subtly do i use this skill or this trick or this yeah quirk, well and it's a it's a chess game yeah. essentially yeah there's a lot of, of bluffing yeah of them uh, you know because of of the characters like trying to hold out on the fact that they are misborn mm -hmm. or um, they're like, oh, well, you know, only to you just think that I'm only a pewter yeah. guy right now instead of, you know, now I'm a full Alamancer mm -hmm. and I can just pff, just do whatever I want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, you try and bluff as long as you possibly can during a fight. So then whenever you do reveal it, there's nothing that they can do. And then there's the, the ATM trump card, mm -hmm. right, where you're like, I am literally looking a couple of seconds into your future and I know what you're about to do. Yep. But I'm going to lose that ability really fast. And if I'm the first one to lose it, then you're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as as soon as it's obvious that I'm doing that, then you're going to counter it by doing it yourself, which yeah. puts us back to, to base one until one of us runs out. And yeah. Then mm -hmm. yeah. It's like basically how much ATM does each person have? And eh, I hope I have more than that person. Yeah. Right. Well, and especially when you put that in a in the setting of kind of the noble houses where it's very much so a you know, cloak and dagger, political plays, these kind of things are all happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And you don't just have like the the outward physical threat of violence. There's also like the whole like, well, you know, like this deal falls through and we'll destroy your family. You'll wipe yeah. out your bloodline. Yeah. These kind of like those things are kind of running the the running undercurrents within it as well. And it's also really helpful in the way that the political machinations are set up that the magic users are not obvious. 
right? Right. Like, yeah. like families having secret, like some of their members of the family secretly being Mistborn. allomancers. Or, uh, or even what, just, or just, just a, yeah. a soother, like yeah. sending Shan to, mm-hmm. to the parties, as, just acting as a soother. Yep. To to further political alliances, and, and so as on. long as 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 long as you can get away with that not being detected, mm-hmm. then you have an enormous political advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or or you know, like in the um uh in the case of the the emperor, uh, of him being a, a ferrochemist at yeah. the end, um where you're just like, I mean, clearly he's a mistborn. There's no way he's not. Yeah. And everyone you know assumes that he is just a mistborn, but it's like, well, we can't also kill him. Mm-hmm. So right. there has to be something. There's yeah. some other trick yep. here that we don't understand. Yeah. So uh, who's next? I already gave a score here. Y'all haven't given scores. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and take it. And I'll say that it is despicable that you would give this a 10 and find no fault whatsoever. But I did the same thing. I gave it a 10. <laughs> and I think that the the setting of not just the the magic and the city and the houses, all of that is fantastic, top notch, but just the world in general is so different and unique. Mm-hmm. You have a a gray wasteland of a world that is that is covered in constant clouds of ash, ash falling from the sky like rain. It's even like in the language of the book, it is described like rain. The ash fall was heavy today. Yep. You know, like <laughs> and everything is grimy and gritty and dirty. And it really not only is something different and interesting for a secondary world construction, but it also fits in with the themes of uh subjugation and dystopia. Right. And so it because like you've you've got <laughs> stuff like uh, uh, Blade Runner and the Batman where the cinematography does that same thing where yeah. all of the shots are dark. It's in the rain. It's dark and gritty. Yeah. Well, this whole world just does that for you out of the <laughs> gate. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just imagine like, you know, having like a film noir where it's always raining, but it's just always ash. Yeah. Well, and for the characters, you know, the idea of green grass or flowers that are pretty, mm-hmm. like that's a foreign concept. Yeah. It's almost almost unknown to most people. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what'd you have? I can't believe you guys gave this a 10 because that is exactly what it deserves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's what I thought. That's kind of why I was like, well, what are y'all scores? Because y'all are both talking. I was like, I know y'all both, like, there's no way the way y'all are approaching this that you didn't give it a 10. <laughs> I just need you to actually say that before you forget that you haven't actually said that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, uh, I mean, honestly, just the magic system is just so fantastic because, you know, like Joel said, when you have limitations, that is where it becomes interesting. Yeah. When you yeah. don't have limitations like Superman, it's not fun yeah. because he's not an interesting character because all he does, he he has all the powers. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And then it is, you know, like it's up to the, his opponent to like make something else happen or him to just forget that he has powers, which happens all the time. Super speed. I don't have super speed yeah. right now. But then you then you add in all these limitations of like, well, this guy can only throw coins or this guy can only have heightened heightened senses. Mm -hmm. And it makes such a big difference in how, how basically the main characters approach specific situations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then you have, you know, like the, um, the inquisitors, which are just a force of nature uh, as far as their, Mm -hmm. their concern. And they are outside of just, you know, obviously the emperor, they are the end game boss well, they're they're the agents in the Matrix. Yeah, and well, so and so like literally, 
the the advice that Vin has given is you see one, you run. I mean, it's they're exactly it's the, the agents same, from the Matrix. The yeah. And then and then at the end where Kelsier Kelsier kills one, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is this is the moment. This is it. Yeah. And then he just dies. And you're like, oh, oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. This is we 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 conquered this massive scale. And then there's oh, that is the scale is way bigger than yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. Well, and and looking at how like how much energy and effort it took to just kill one yeah. out of however many exist in the empire, not even including the emperor himself. Mm-hmm. And Kelsier can't overcome just one without dying. Yeah. Is, yeah. I mean, is, he, is he a overcame param- one. Well, it just, okay, but he still died for it. And it's, it's a paramount for how strong the inquisitors actually are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I, I do love when, when we have Vin out with the various, because you don't have, just have, you know, Mistborn where they have all the powers. You have the Alamancers who have an individual power, like mm-hmm. you were saying. You know, one person can only push metal. One can only yeah. pull metal. But she's out with the various, uh, the Mistings, I guess is what they're actually called. Yeah. Who have the individual powers. And like with Ham, Ham Hammond or Ham is talking about, you know, because he's a pewter user, a thug mm-hmm. or a pewter arm as the nobles <laughs> want to call it. How, you know, well, how does that work? Well, yeah, it makes you stronger and faster. And, you know, everyone wants to just burn that as fast as they can and be as strong as they can in that moment. He's like, well, you don't have to always be the strongest in the moment. You only have to be the strongest when you actually want to hit. Yeah. So if you're constantly relying on this to burn, then you're going to get yourself in a situation where as soon as you, like like you're saying, kind of the double blind play of, well, as soon as you get to a fight, they already know how strong you are. And now you have nothing else to reveal. Whereas if you hold some back and you're fighting and they're like, okay, well, this is what they can do. And then you're surprised. Yep. That's, that's the trick. And that's kind of the catch for the whole system in general is that like, again, what you can do isn't a lot. It's just like when you get into, um, oh, no, that's in the second book. Sorry. I won't bring that one up. That's later. <laughs> but you get into the various things that, that especially Ven, because she's very much so kind of a inventive person of, mm-hmm. well, why couldn't I just try doing things this way instead yep. or a, a twist on something that I'm well, doing? And that's what happens whenever you have someone that, that is already in a uh, relatively an adult in, in the maturity mm-hmm. sense. And then they, they now find out they have all these powers and they're like, oh, well, you guys do it that way, but I should try it this way because this is what I did, you know, mm-hmm. already. Right. Yeah. Well, and she's not raised in like the like the noble house structure where mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you're really important and we're going to make sure you're very well trained by someone who is also very well trained yep. within the same structure. It's it's kind of a much more of a free form, freewheeling yeah. process for her. Uh, so I think, I mean, that that's kind of, it's it's hard to really talk long when it's just all good, yeah. right? Because, I mean, there's nothing really bad to say. It's It's... Maybe you just don't really like the grimdark, the concept of ash falling from the sky, and then it's just not. Well, I mean, for you, using using the term grimdark is misleading here it because is a bit, because yeah. grimdark very specifically is horrible things happening to horrible people all the time. It is Game of Thrones, and not so much the setting, but like what actually happens. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. That then that is definitely not the case. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe ash rain from the sky just isn't for you. I don't know. <laughs> if it's not, then you should okay, read so this. It, 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 is, it is a funny story because he he went from writing Mistborn and he got this this trilogy, the first trilogy out. Mm-hmm. And his publisher is like, okay, that was great. That was wonderful. We want more, but can it be less Dark, dark and dirty and stuff and he turns around and he writes Warbreaker which the entire magic system is about bright colors 
<laughs> I feel like that's that's one of those things where he's just kind of flexing. He's yeah. like, yeah, I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so we're going to move forward into characters. So we're talking about, again, the characters and how well they are characterized. It's really hard to talk about this and not just use that word over and over again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to toss this off. I'm going to let Andrew go first. Uh, so I gave uh, character an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that um, Vin and Kelsier get a, a really solid amount of characterization and, and a decent arc. Kelsier doesn't really get a big one. He's kind um, of already a, a formed. I mean, he's like, oh God, he's 38. He's old. He's my age. He's 38 <laughs> in the book. So Yeah. I, well, and he doesn't like... He's already he's basically already the character that he's going to be at the end whenever he whenever he dies. Well, he also minus minus strictly speaking, it's also set up to where a significant portion of his plans he's not telling anyone. Right. And including the reader. And so like you about a two thirds of the way through the book, you start to realize that. Yeah. Um, But at that point, he's a he's not a he's not a not a protagonist when he's doing that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then gets a gets a nice solid, you know, arc throughout the um, throughout the book that I liked. Um, but all the other characters are just kind of who they are, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. at least for the first book. And obviously, as the books go on, there's a lot more the, development. There's that just happens. more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, there, yeah, there's just more time. There's more perspectives that you get um, for narration mm-hmm. and everything they go through. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like it was just it, it felt, you know, kind of what I would expect out of a out of a YA, especially in an initial one where you have, um, uh, you know, new character that is meant to you or to follow the protagonist. And then you have the essentially the mentor mm-hmm. that is showing them how the world works, yeah. um, which is also showing us how the world works because yeah. we don't know. Yeah. Joel. Uh, well, I uh, similarly gave it a nine. Um, I, he gave it an eight. That's not similar. It's similar. It's, it's, it's close. It's, it's not, it's not similar in geometric terminology. No, stop. Just anyways, but it is similar. <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> Anyway, so I gave it a nine. Uh, I, I mean, I, I generally I don't disagree with anything yeah. that you said. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did not find anything to point to to say this is bad. Yeah, uh, there are there are places where it could be better. Mm-hmm. The the cast of characters that form up the crew mm-hmm. could be more colorful. Yeah, that could just be like just even just a little bit more backstory kind yeah. of. And and like you get a little bit of it in like you get you get a lot more in the subsequent novels. So like there's right. Yeah, you know, there's that. And and that's always an issue in a starting novel where you have a large cast of characters that you just don't have time mm-hmm. to yeah, correct. really develop. Well, especially with like a heist. Yeah. Where there's 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 already a cacophony of, of right, people. Right, because they're all they're all experts. Yeah. Right. And so experts have stories because how did they become an expert, right? Yeah. Like, how they get here. And so you don't have time to tell all of those. And if mm-hmm. you take time to tell all of those, you've probably sabotaged your pacing. Yeah. And um so like there's there's a balance there and it's really hard to say how much better it could have been mm-hmm. but it it does leave you wondering could it have could he have eked just a little bit more out so that's why I gave it a 9 right yeah well similarly to Joel actually similarly I gave it a 9 <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah y'all are hitting her all, on all the the main things I think Kelsier gets a little bit of an arc and then he kind of has his opinions it's it's the the classic tale of we have the new learning character and the old grizzled mentor and you know how much does one person reflect onto the other and vice versa and you get a little bit of that for him where he towards the end you know he starts to see that maybe not just because of their birth they're not automatically evil 
And, yeah. Because that's kind of what he's pushing against is how the, the, the peasants, the ska, are treated is that because of their birth, well, they're less than dirt, right? Yeah. Um, so you get a little bit of a shift there for him. You know, Ven is obviously the the highlight stellar character of, you know, well, how does she kind of preserve who she is and grow who she is while also being thrown into this other world of the nobles where she's kind of a little beguiled by, you know, the, the trappings of it and the, the beauty of it, the, mm-hmm. the face value beauty of it. And well, then, I mean, when you, you know, when you've lived on the streets as mm-hmm. an urchin for your entire life and now suddenly you are getting to go to balls and, you know, court men and, yeah, you know, yeah all these things. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it gets, you know, there, there are reminders in the story that kind of undercut some of that, mm-hmm. that, that risk of, you know, being uh, bewitched by it or yeah. whatever. Uh, but it happens some, and obviously it, it pays off for her in, you know, how the story progresses. But, you know, I don't, I don't really hate the heist characters for being one notes because really and truly, if you're going to make a good heist, that ha- that's what they have to be. Yeah. And they need to be, you know, ultimately who they are. You know, clubs is the the grizzled, uh, stern, whatever. Uh, Breeze is kind of the the fop of the group. You know, mm-hmm. he's always just the the overly fancy um, person there. Oh, Andrew's petting Lando. I was wondering what was going. On. I was like, why are you leaning over? But the cat has there, there's decided a cat here. to pay us a visit <laughs> in a video format. That would be much more engrossing. Anyways. Um, and, you know, they kind of hit through that. And they even have, you know, someone like Dachshund in the crew who doesn't actually have any powers. He's just there because he's a great organizer. Yeah. And yep. that's, that's ultimately what you need. You he's need logistics. logistics. Yep. Yeah. Logistics <laughs> is its own magical power. <laughs> Kids, the USPS could learn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. Uh, like, it's like war flashbacks. Just right PTSD. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. It's that I don't know if there's anything really to complain about. You know, I, you can, you, we could talk about it being, yeah, it's a little one note for some of the characters. I think people like, uh, Seizid gets a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, and, and, you know, well, subsequent Seizid, novels he gets. Well, yeah. So subsequent novels he gets even more, but Seizid is an important character in this one. So he gets more time mm-hmm. because he's the example that we get of Farrakimi. Yep. Right. And we have to have that piece of information to make sense of what the Lord will do. Yeah. yeah. But he also gets way more time with Vin because mm-hmm. he's her attendant at balls. Yeah. And these kinds. So you also get more time for interaction there as well mm-hmm. to kind of learn who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really um, the, the reveal whenever Vin realizes that, that the emperor is a Farrakimist is really fun mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, She's, you know, they're just throwing, throwing stuff against the wall just to try and like yeah. stop him from, yeah. <laughs> from like regenerating and like, you know, being just this force of nature. And they're like, ah, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Well, yeah. I, that I doesn't change anything. In that yeah. moment of, of, oh, that's what's going on. It's like, I can't do anything about it though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of not being able to do anything about it, I guess it's time to move into a little plot. Yep. I'm gonna give it to Joel. All right, so I gave plot an eight okay. uh, out of ten. I think that generally speaking, this it's structured very well. Uh, we have a significant uh, time jump after um, Kelsier gets Vin almost killed on his his uh, trying break, to break, break in, in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and Sazed rescues her, and that's where we start to learn about Farakimi and stuff because we didn't realize that Sazed had powers before then. Yeah, he was just a servant. Yeah, and 
so like there's kind of it's kind of arranged in two parts you've got before that and then you got after that after the time jump for her to kind of heal up and and then the 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 tone of the piece changes at specific points where mm-hmm. you've got okay we're we're make we're doing a heist oh now we're doing a rebellion oh everything failed now now Kelsier's real plan is happening and nobody has any idea what it is right and um so from a structure standpoint i think it's really really well done i think there's just a couple of points particularly re- in regard to the climax where it falls falls short of where it should be mm-hmm. um particularly the the plot point of ven being able to pull on the mist as a fuel source is something that is kind of a it's a great aha surprise but it doesn't really feel earned yeah it comes up yeah it nowhere. just kind of exists yeah yeah and so while it is expounded upon in later books and like starts to you 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 it's important and you learn things from it um throwing something in there early on that you're going to explain later is a good thing mm-hmm. i want to encourage authors to do this because it's great <laughs> but you that needs to not be the resolution to your climax at the same right. time. It, does, it can't be the linchpin moment. Uh, yeah. For, for something to actually like exist and happen in the story. Yeah. Right. And then, and then my, my other big complaint is Kelsier uses a, a rumored mythical extra metal that no one knows anything about to say, look, I, I have an ace up my sleeve. This is how we're going to beat the Lord ruler. And he doesn't really, you know, talk about it much after that. And it's really just to, it's almost a bluff in order to get the the other members of the crew to go along with him. Mm. Oh, I have a secret weapon. Yeah. But from his POV chapters, it's made clear that he doesn't know what it is, but he thinks it's something. And so it's not really a bluff. But at the same time, he doesn't really do any experimentation in order to figure it out. And when he does finally use it, what it does is it it shows the Lord Ruler's past, basically, or an, or an alternate version of his present self. And that is important information to us to figure out who he was, how mm-hmm. he relates to the, you know, the, the mythological tales of the past that he came from and all of that stuff. It's important background information, but it just, it just felt shoehorned in to get us that information mm-hmm. as opposed to being something that Kelsier would actually stake his life on. Right. Well, and I, I think from that perspective, so I, I gave plot a nine and I waffled back and forth between eight and a nine mm-hmm. because my, my biggest complaint is ultimately the, the final climax doesn't feel earned. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, oh, well, you just got absurdly lucky and never really know. Stop taking all of my points. Get wrecked. <laughs> and, and you never really know why. Yeah. Without, I mean, like if that's the only book you read, you'd just be like, oh, she's just really lucky. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, again, you got to drop the, the hints or the Easter eggs. But there's just, other stuff to come. Yeah. Right. But but having the whole climax of the first book turn on that very flimsy linchpin is is really risky because uh, it's easy to kind of take people out because everything else feels super earned. Mm-hmm. Like her abilities, how she learns it, how good she is or isn't. Like, like you mentioned earlier on before the time jump where she gets heavily injured. And I think you talking about the time jump is also a big deal because throughout that the first book, she takes some injuries. And even you know through the later books she takes injuries, but they're never as severe as that is. Yeah, and that really drives home the whole like Inquisitors are a big scary deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked 
the kind of the reveals with the logbook where we, we started getting yeah. the little the little writings and because that's that's the 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 other side of the coin to the eleventh medal, right? Like how else is she going to put these two things together mm-hmm. to make sense? I think that was well done. And it's it's fun to have that kind of revealed from like an in universe book. Yeah. That, that's being yeah, like, actively like translated. The the practice of putting little um uh, blurbs at the beginning of chapters or seeming, sections, seemingly innocuous, right? Is is very like you can sort of correlate it to the practice in uh, in TV shows mm-hmm. of having a cold open that shows some sort of historical context for a character or an event or something where it's it's not placed in there in any chronological order. It's just hey, this is a theme that you need to have in some information about moving forward. Mm-hmm. Breaking um, Bad does this really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the cold opens for all their shows are really fantastic. Yeah, but you, you need that little that little underlying stuff because it, it builds up over time, right? Mm-hmm. It adds up mm-hmm. until you finally There's make a, sense of things. Yeah, and then then like the 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 paths cross and you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like I said, I, I waffle between the eight and the nine and I ultimately, I think I landed on the nine just because I really liked the way they did that mm-hmm. even if the absolute focal point is kind of maybe a failure uh, everything else around it that builds to it and that might just be why it feels like a failure right because you have such a strong everything else and then you have a very weak piece and if everything else was just kind of medium and you had this piece you just you might accept it mm-hmm. but it, it kind of stands out like a sore thumb yeah through that so andrew uh well i gave it a nine mm-hmm. um, okay right right Right. Uh, <laughs> Can you read your handwriting? No, I no. It, it, anyways, um, no. So I gave it a nine, and partially because of the the incredibly weak finale, right? Um, with with the mist, which like I remember listening to it for the first time, and I was I was already kind of having a hard time understanding where everything was kind of taking place within that mm-hmm. specific area of the castle, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. And and then you know, like she's fighting the the emperor and then you know the mist and stuff happened and i was like okay well all right well i guess that's done um and um you know but at that point you're like i mean like you know that nothing else like, there's not going to be any other big aha moment because like the book's basically already done like yeah. i can see how much longer i have left so at that point i'm just like all right whatever um but i'm actually going to dial it back a little bit um i found a lot of the political intrigue like during the balls and stuff like not that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it it definitely slowed the pace down quite a bit from you know obviously like the the training part which were always the most interesting because the magic system was really cool and I wanted to learn yeah, more about you, it. And you just you like it's just yeah feed me more feed yeah. me more, <laughs> more, more. Um, and I I understand like they do ha- like he has to pace it down a little bit because you do need to have Ellen introduced mm-hmm. um, who's the main character later on in the other books and then you also need to have um uh, you you need to set up essentially the power structure that is going to exist after they overthrow mm-hmm. the final empire yeah. the, the emperor and and because of that i mean like you have to have those sections so i didn't really knock it too hard it was more of just like eh, i don't really care too much about this mm-hmm. yeah so it's interesting cuz i actually i think that's something that i didn't touch on i was trying to leave other stuff floating around i don't want to take every point ever but i <laughs> i actually really enjoy those just because we get the interactions between ven and alin well yeah and those are great right and that's that's something that i think i would give them a lot of points for because a lot of i feel like a lot of ya like budding romances are just it's terrible 
and they don't feel like real they how real earned. people interact. What just they just they don't they don't talk like people would talk. Whereas this feels much more earned. Like Elend is definitely his own person. Ellen. Ellen, how do you say his name? <laughs> um Ellen is definitely like his own person and he has his own motivations mm-hmm. and whatever, and he operates on that principle. And it's just kind of the interactions that happen because of that, yeah. that they have them have, you know, a, a, a spark or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it builds from there. Uh, I Like, I really love the scene where I guess one of the subsequent balls from when she first meets him, where he just brings all the books to the table and just dumps them on her table. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I was like, what? You have a lot of space, and I'm just going to sit here. And then <laughs> yep. she actually uses that as a like a political maneuver mm-hmm. to try to because she she's trying to be clever. Like, well, this is going to ruin my plans for yep. the evening. I have to have some other way around this. So yeah, I don't know. I just that those whole interactions felt great to me. Yeah, I mean, like it's more of that's more of definitely a nitpick because I I, yeah. I did not get heavily quotation marks um, for for the, the ending. Yeah. yeah, but you know that was just one of the other little check marks that I was just oh like, yeah eh, no no you that's, know. that's fair it, it's not so much that I want to counter you on it it's yeah. more that you saying it remind me oh mm-hmm. yeah that was something I really like and like when I go back and reread these books because I have several times those are some of the scenes that I'll go back to along with the fights and the trainings because those are the most interesting and real and earned yeah. feeling to mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. So. okay yeah. No, no. I, I got nothing for it's, that it's hard to go on long when we're just like it's so good yeah <laughs> well I mean you know hey um this is a callback to one of our other episodes of Meet the Robinsons. You learn more from failure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so final category, well, almost final category, writing. The writing. The writing. Let's see who hasn't gone Me. first. Oh, Andrew. Well, no. Well, maybe. Wants, I don't no, know. You know what? You didn't get any points there because we stole it all. Go first. <laughs> uh, so for the writing, I gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I thought it was, um, uh, what, third person passive? The, uh, limited. Pass. Limited. Um, with past tense, past tense, yeah. Uh, the it's a very standard, yeah, right, uh, yeah. Um, not I mean, for not for YA though, as we most of the time discussed. YA is like first person, first person, first person. Yeah. and and sometimes you get present tense, which is really jarring, and but <laughs> and sometimes you get past tense, with that. Mm-hmm. but it's mostly it's first person, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but th- this like I because I've before I had read this one, I had already read. Leviathan Wakes mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. the Expanse, mm-hmm. and so this kind of storytelling was already. I was already like, "Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm right here for it." Yeah. For like one perspective, two perspective, one perspective, two perspective, right? And it, um, and most of the time, it was like the one thing I I found really interesting because there's so much going on with the magic system of like, especially because she can burn all the metals. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there you would think that it would become too much information mm-hmm. of like when she was burning something and pushing something and pulling something here and listening to the, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's so much going on and he does such a fantastic job at mm-hmm. the clarity of exactly what they were doing at basically any given moment. Yeah. And he uses up a lot of space in terms of word count in reminding you what everything does as it's being used. Yep. And, you know, like you can you can make a case and say, well, you're writing down to the audience, but I think it serves clarity so much. It does that it's just the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, if if I were in a position of, hey, you have to take this writing and adapt it to a visual medium, I would be so thankful that it was his because it's like, well, this must be here. It's this piece there. It's that over here. And then this happens. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just so clear. And and basically the only thing I really knocked it for was 
his um, his spatial description of actual places mm-hmm. um, didn't really track that well for me um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like there was a couple times where I was like, okay, so are you on this side of the room or are you on that side of the room? And now you guys switch places. Like, I don't know. Like yeah. there's just a couple of times where um, in the middle of a fight, I'd be like, oh, okay, you're over here now. Got it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which, you know, that's fine. Like that just may have been that I just wasn't paying attention or whatever, but like, there's just a couple times here and there. But that, again, when compared with the constant touches of reminding you what the magic does as mm-hmm. it's being used, like there's obviously a difference in how the physical locations were treated in the writing yeah. that you mm-hmm. weren't constantly reminded of the information that you need Correct. to know to visualize yeah, the situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go next. I'm going to let <laughs> Joel go last. He has I the gave, most information. Yeah. I gave, well, I, this, this is the strategy. He has so much built up and then we kind of chip away at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give writing a nine mm-hmm. and I really, really credit stuff. Uh, Joel and I have talked about this before, but I really credit writers when they do this, when they really emphasize the, like this is supposed to be a thousand year empire with mm-hmm. an immortal God King. It has its own slang, its own curses its own words they they literally use as opposed to like we would say you know oh gd they mm-hmm. literally use oh lord ruler yep, right? yeah like it's and it's even a plot point where kelsier has to consider even my own crew who we are planning to overthrow him still invoke his name yep like how can i replace that or galvanize people to overcome that kind of thing when when for their entire life and for generations before Everyone has viewed him as this, you know, immortal god king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like that. And you're just kind of the uses of some other words, some of the Eastern slang that comes up in it with spook mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is kind of fun, even if it is actually just unintelligible. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's, it's so hard it's, to read. It's worse than than the uh, Leviathan Wakes Belter lingo. Oh, by like, far. <laughs> oh, by yeah. far. You can at least have a general idea of what yeah. they're talking yeah. about. And thankfully, when the, when the slang comes up, it's mostly just used when they're just kind of joking around with each other. So it's not critically important. And it's well, also like the point of it is nobody knows what Spooky yeah. saying. <laughs> so that, that just reminds me of uh, one of uh, one of Stephen's favorite films um, is um, uh, with Snatch. Brad, yeah, Snatch, Snatch with Brad Pitt where he's a um, a cockney. Uh, he's, a, he's a gypsy. Yeah, he's, he's basically a gypsy mm-hmm. that um, bare, uh, bare, bare knuckle, knuckle boxer. boxer. Okay. And he, uh, Stephen can explain it better than I can. No, he, he <laughs> like, oh, you like Degs? Oh, you like digs? And like the other characters are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> digs. You like digs? Oh, dogs. Yeah, I like dogs. <laughs> and like there are there are moments with closed caption on where it doesn't try. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't. Because you're not really supposed to know what he's saying half the time. And like mm-hmm. he'll just, oh yeah, you're no, 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 Kevin from my mom. What? Yeah. Did you just say? <laughs> um but yeah, but it, that's, is, that's it is a lot I, like, yeah, I that's that's pretty fair. Uh, of course, in that's instance he's kind of using it to his advantage where spook just has like a speech impediment basically yeah (laughs) but uh yeah i mean i thought that was that was good it's it's good to see because we don't really get to see a ton of the world right like everything is centered around just one main city yeah fidel yes and you don't really get to see a lot of it until you get into other books Mm -hmm. uh so it's good to see kind of a you're not getting a a world built out horizontally where it's really wide you're getting it built very vertically Mm -hmm. which works because they're saying oh this has been going on for a thousand years well cool well we have these systems and you get good not just explanations of it but it comes up 
in the story. Like it's, it's relevant to what the characters are doing. Yeah. So that's, for me, that's always a, a big thing to see when people are trying to tell me that this is a totally different world and we all live different from everybody else and blah, 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 blah. And these are called grapes. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, we don't need the, the weird space terminology, but also like people got to have their own habits here that I'm not going to recognize for, for reasons. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I guess another one they, they slip in with, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Renu. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. He's Cajun. <laughs> uh, and, and like they reference to him as a Kandra and they never tell you what that is yeah. because they just don't tell Vin what that is. So mm-hmm. she's sort of confused. So you as a reader are also perplexed as to what's going on until yeah. like right towards the end when you get the, uh, the final big battle where Doxin is talking to Vin and he's like, well, I mean, Renew just, just got axed down and he pauses like, but I'm not actually sure if that's a problem for his kind or not. And she's like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I can, like, I, I am Vin in this moment of, what are you even talking about? Like, there's so much disaster going on right now. Like, is the dude dead or not? And it's like, yeah. oh, maybe. Maybe yeah. he could be. I don't really know, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Joel? Uh, well, I gave writing an eight. Okay. Um, and I, I think that in this book, uh, Sanderson in general is a little prone to info dumps um, because he has so much world building information that he has to find a way to get across. Mm-hmm. Right. In this one, you'd manage to sidestep a lot of it because Vin needs to be trained and, and, and we to get learn. to follow that. Yeah. And so there's, there's an instance where he holds some of it back in the form of, well, Vin just has no idea what a chondra is or does or wants or needs or, or even, <laughs> even what the word <laughs> means. Yeah. yeah. And so we also don't understand that. And, and he did not tell us this in a, just an expository paragraph. Yeah. yeah. And Which so that's nice. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. But mm. there, there are other points where he does not successfully resist the urge. And so there's, there's a little <laughs> bit of that. Uh, I, w- I would say in general, it's it's really interesting because I've I've read nearly his whole body of work, not not all of it, but okay. the vast majority of it. And um, looking at the progression of Elantris, which was his first published novel through Mistborn mm-hmm. and then into Warbreaker, there's there is a definite pattern of refinement of his his writing style and the way that he presents uh, his characters through the prose and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to be able to follow a single author's career kind of of that way and just watch how they progress their craft. Um, This is the first time that, that I have like been, been of an age to consume media at the same time that a prominent creative is, putting it out in order to follow. Along yeah. Cause most of the time, way. like you, you, you'll go through and like read an old, old yeah. author and you're like, well, this is all they have. Right. Cause they're dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also an opportunity because he's such a prolific author, right? Yeah. I mean, we just had the, the, the reveal not too long ago where he's like, Oh, well, I'm on Kickstarter. I'm publishing four unknown books that, you know, no one was paying me to write. And I wrote them anyways, yeah. which was the, the most successful Kickstarter of all time. Right. Yep. But you, you actually get a, a an opportunity to really see the development because he's just putting out so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, another author that I look at when I think of seeing like them formulating, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Terry Brooks, sort of Shannara. 
Uh, no, I, okay. I watched the first no, half of the no, don't, terrible don't. It's so bad. TV show. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. Uh, I remember sort of Shannara from somewhere else, but maybe I'm thinking of Alex Shannara. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real threat or danger here in Alabama. <laughs> Every billboard. Um, so his like his first two books are just bricks. I mean, mm-hmm. they are they are dense, and and I mean the first book is is just straight up. It's a it's a Lord of the Rings, you know. I don't want to say rip off, but like he's following it really closely. Yeah. But he put out so many books that like he kind of boils it down, not to a formula, but he gets very much cleaner about it. And it was mm-hmm. interesting to read those first couple where it's like, this is a 600 page book. And like now he's putting out 350, 400 and it's much more Like measurable. he's got he's got the same content. It's just boiled down to the essential. Yeah, he, he actually mm-hmm. has an idea of well, what do I need to strip off this? And so it's interesting for you to talk about that from like Sanderson's perspective, because I, I didn't really feel that there was a lot of extra weight to the story as far as like exposition goes but at least in the I first book yeah well the biggest well jump, oh yeah other books there's yeah, context whole, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but, I would say that the biggest jump in in noticeable change is between elantris and and the final empire like there's definitely a sense of he hat, hadn't really found his own style yet mm-hmm. in elantris uh but yeah mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting to hear that just because you know you like you said you've read most of his mm-hmm. published works I've only read what he did for Wheel of Time and Mistborn. Mm-hmm. And partly just because, like, there's, you know, well, Andrew talked about um, Stormlight, Stormlight Archives. Archives, and he's like, oh, it's just so, and like, I, I'm not as concerned that I, well, I can probably pick it up and keep up with it. I mean, if, if, if you've read all of Master and Commander for fun, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I know. I know. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, like, I'm not concerned about it. It's just one of those things where it, it's sort of, there's almost like a, a moment of pause because like, I've already had like this perfect distilled drop of what I wanted. Oh yeah. And I don't want to yeah. like try well, something different. And it's like, like, if I, this, this if I, it. if I move a few inches out of this spot in this pond, is that water over there really cold? I don't know. This I don't water's know. perfect. Yeah. This, is, this sunbeam <laughs> is perfect. Like yeah. I'm a cat right now. Like, this sunbeam <laughs> is perfect. Is there another sunbeam over there? Maybe, but yeah. I have to get up to find out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking on um, things that entertain us, yes, um, we should move on to the entertainment score. In, unless Joel has just something he just must now, say. No. Uh, wh- right. What was the word count? The word count was just over two hundred eight thousand words. Yes. Cool. So that is significantly longer than your typical adult novel, mm-hmm. which is in the range of eh, hundred thousand to hundred twenty thousand, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Do we remember what Red Rising was? Red Rising was near the top end of that. I because I, I remember we had this discussion uh, about the fact that because it was published as sci-fi and not um, uh, YA, YA, mm-hmm. and how that that factored into it. Hold on, I'm pulling it real quick. Yeah, well, it, but 124, right at 125. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but if you look at the epic fantasy genre, that tends to run a lot. Higher, mm-hmm. and yeah. so this is much more in line with your typical epic fantasy than it is with your typical adult novel and other genres. Yeah. Okay. Right. So entertainment. Yeah, entertainment. Um, Let's hear it. I found it entertaining. I gave <laughs> it a nine. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> uh, fair. I've I've already I've reread the book twice. I'm probably going to reread it again. Mm-hmm. I may not reread the other two. I don't know yet. The second one is totally worth. So, anyways, go on. I, well. I actually didn't really like the second book that much, but anyways, that's just amazing to me. But anyways, carry on. Whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we, we've, we've kind of harped on it the whole time, but the magic system is just so, so much fun Mm -hmm. and, and well detailed and it it makes sense whenever it happens. Um, I hope that in my lifetime, there is going to be some really strong and, and good 
anime production company that will see this and read this and be really um, passionate about it and make an anime worthy I mean, of the book. I mean, an anime uh, or or even like we said, a a arcane style yeah, animation right. reproduction totally fine. Like, would yeah. be fantastic. A triple A video game would also be potentially amazing. Oh boy, <laughs> could you imagine trying to manage like steel push and pulls? Yeah. Oof, like, man. Oof, that'd you'd, be you'd, have to, you'd have to water it down quite a bit to, yeah. to fit it into a controller, but yeah, I mean, like, I I would love to see, like, like anything, like, I mean, you know, this is asking a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. but an arcane level of 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 production quality yeah. for styling and everything. Because, like, honestly, like, arcane and Mistborn, like, kind of fit pretty well mm-hmm. into the same styling, mm-hmm. despite, you know, having blue skies and arcane. Well, well yeah. you have all the slums, right? Yeah. And that, that section of uh, Runeterra, that's the mm-hmm. name of the world, I had to think about it for a second really fits with kind of the style of what you would assume basically the, all of, would all of like, the yeah. final empire looks like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I would love to see that happen. I would be very, very, very scared if someone like Amazon was like, hey, guess what? We're going to do a live action adaptation oh, man. of this boy. If, that, if that happens, I am going to be so upset. After Sanderson's presumed experience gathering that he did with wheel of time i hope that he has taken the right lessons to heart of if anything happens i must have control of this yeah yeah just like full control of iron fisted like <laughs> no you are not going to do that yeah. you're not going to make her wave her arms like a wax <laughs> <laughs> this is a real magic system yeah, <laughs> yeah please yeah. So uh, what, what about you guys well I, i'll go why not uh, i gave it a nine so I'm also in the same realm of, I mean, I've read this well before actually meeting either of y'all mm-hmm. uh, more than once at that point. And then, uh, you know, like talking to like Joel prior to like him and I kind of pushing it to you. you know, yeah. We were talking, mm-hmm. like, like one of the strategies was, well, well, we need to get Andrew to read these books so that we can discuss it as three of us and not just he and I having like a side conversation. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, no spoilers. Yeah. Or, or we're just ears. like, oh yeah, this happened. That was great. Andrew's just like, oh, I don't know what's going <laughs> on right now. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I've read it multiple times, you know, in the, in the run up during the show, you know, we were like, oh yeah, we should definitely make sure we go back and look at it. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go back and just kind of, you know, page through it. And I read the whole thing and I'm almost through with the third book now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like this is this is up there in terms of when I want this specific type of, you know, like fantasy, YA-esque, you know, like the the big lessons about like trust and also a phenomenal magic system that he lets his characters do all kinds of really cool and fun things with. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a go-to. Yeah. Like just just by default. So, Joel? Uh well, I gave it a 10. Okay. For, Bring it for up. entertainment. This is exactly what I look for in mm-hmm. in kind of your your high fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. And it also I think the the length is something also that I look for because I don't want to one, if it's much shorter, you don't get the detail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you won't, you won't well, and it doesn't feel on. like a long book. No, at all. it's well paced. And uh but also, like, if you get m- much shorter and you get down to, like, that that 120 word count, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with multiple POVs and it's not kind of kind of the bare bones presentation the way that Red Rising is, mm-hmm. then you just end up, it's like you get into the meat of it and then it's done. You, you don't get to sit with the characters right. very much. You don't yeah. get to experience and immerse yourself nearly as much. And so... 
this this length to me is really really great um and just like the sweet spot i think for this kind of novel yeah i mean when you tossed out the word count and i was just kind of looking to see well how many pages is you know like a published mm-hmm. version of this because I've, I've only really read it electronically just like man this is a lot longer than i thought i've really if you had told me yeah, this is like 350 pages you know 100 140,000 words i would i would totally take you at your word mm-hmm. i would not have expected this to be a 500 plus page published book so mm-hmm. I, I think that that just in itself is a huge testament not just to the writing, but to the entertainment value because it's it's literally a page turner. Like you just yeah, blow yeah, through it. Yeah. So, well, alrighty. I, I think that that is uh, about all the time we've got for this episode. Unless anyone else wants to weigh in, no. Well, until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew, and I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.